welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hey! Hey! Coming up on today's show, well, we finally have answers as to what caused the huge rift between this morning's Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. It's almost time for Barbie Mania. Maddie Healy has some choice words for anyone who was <laughs> offended by those February podcast comments. And it's that time of the year again. The top 100 Australian influencers have been named and true to form, we have a few questions. But first, Michelle, I am interested that in the script you've got me to ask you, have you got a rec for us? <laughs> because you don't want to talk about your week, clearly. I have nothing to say about my week. Increasingly on this show, I'm like, my week was fine. Not much to tell the listeners. I do have a rec for the listeners. Yeah, well, clearly, <laughs> you fiddled with my own script to make sure I didn't ask you how your week was. Tell me what your rec is. I want everyone to listen to Edward Ennenful being interviewed on the Diary of a CEO podcast. This was recommended to Zara and I by our magnificent partnerships director, Ree. She said, basically the most glowing thing ever. She's like, you must listen to this yeah. immediately. It's spectacular. And it is. For the unacquainted, Edward Ennenful is the editor of British Vogue and his story is remarkable. I think it's said in the podcast that it should have been impossible for him to rise to the level he did. He grew up in Ghana. He had to move because of a military coup. There was just so many hurdles in his way towards becoming the editor of British Vogue. And I loved hearing this story. Yeah, I listened to it as well, as you said. And I'm a big fan of his mm. anyway. Like, I love what he's done with British Vogue. And I actually knew pretty little about his story. I found it so interesting how he spoke about work. Like, he spoke about work in two different ways. Firstly, he talked about how he's really loyal to his workplaces. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know anyone in their 20s who feels like that. He spent 20 years from 18 to 38 in the same job at ID as fashion director. Yeah. I honestly cannot imagine that happening in 2023. No, and he really values loyalty. So after leaving that very first job at ID, he had a string of other jobs and he would stay there for like a minimum of seven years. Yeah, it was like long service leave every time, which I just found astounding. Mm. The second thing is he had this line in there and embarrassingly, I felt like I related to it where he said work for me when I was younger was everything, like every emotion I ever felt when I felt my best, when I felt my worst, when I was feeling stressed, when I wasn't feeling stressed was all work related. Mm. And I definitely felt like I felt like that in my 20s and have had to make a conscious effort. You're still in your 20s. I know, in my early 20s. I actually constantly live like two years in the future. I feel like I'm 30. I said to someone recently that I was nearly 30. I'm actually still 28. But I have felt like that in the past and I've yeah. had to make a conscious effort recently to kind of diversify what fulfills me, what makes me happy. Yeah, he also speaks a lot about alcohol issues and substance abuse issues. He speaks about his husband of over 20 years. Yeah. It's just a really wide ranging interview. I'm really loving interview podcasts at the moment and this was no exception. Yeah, I've actually downloaded his audiobook as well mm. on the back of this, so I'll let you know how I go. Great. How are you? Would you like me to ask about your week? How is my week? Well, I think my recommendation kind of feeds in to the week, right? I feel like we've got lots on our plate at the moment. We have been <laughs> working a lot. I haven't had any time. You know when you have those times when you feel like your mind is scattered in a million different places that when you're reading something or even listening to something, it's just like you can't be bothered. Mm. So I haven't really spent much time this week listening or doing anything of, of value outside of work hours. <laughs> 
hours, which means I've spent a lot of time on TikTok, which means I've fallen in love with a TikToker called Rob Anderson, who does those recaps on Seventh Heaven episodes. Yes. <laughs> have you guys watched his videos? I am obsessed with this. I, I loved Seventh Heaven. Me too. I loved Seventh Heaven, which is hard to say back in the day. Yeah, I loved it too. I have, as we've spoken before, of a pretty Catholic mother. So she was always endorsing of, us. You know, Of Trish and of Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> and she liked us watching this show. But when I started watching these TikToks, I realized what an absurd show this was. I wanted to play you one of these TikToks, <laughs> but I actually realized the premise of some of these episodes is so deeply inappropriate. I didn't <laughs> feel comfortable putting it on air. I didn't realize, but I actually do vaguely remember having watched this episode, that there was a random episode where they found a little girl they thought was homeless and, and kept her in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and they like cleaned her face because it had dirt on it. Yeah. Or something. And they were like, <laughs> trying to keep her the uh, the other one where they kidnapped their alcoholic aunt yes. so, <laughs> it's such a deeply inappropriate show now that i go back and think about it every episode is about someone being kidnapped or like uh, there was this one episode where it was like someone got sucked into a weird cult Oh, yeah, there was also one where, sorry, we're just going to start listing them off now, where one of the daughters, I've forgotten which one, I think it was Jessica Beale's character, got addicted to herbal caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no wonder mum wanted me to watch this. She was like, you have any pill and you will die. <laughs> the girl, her friend passes out from taking too many of them. <laughs> On the basketball court. Yeah. Anyway, I had no idea this show was as outrageous as it was. I should have known. I cannot believe as a kid, I was not allowed to watch Home and Away and Nathan <laughs> yeah. or Big Brother. And mum happily sat me in front of this. This is a public shaming to Trish McDonald if she's listening. My mum was totally fine with Seventh Heaven, but wouldn't let us watch The Simpsons until we were 13. Oh my God, I was allowed to watch The Simpsons. I remember then one of the first episodes of The Simpsons. Why am I getting embarrassed and warm now? One of the first ones we put on, they happened to like make a joke about humping. <laughs> I actually think as a kid at that age, I'd rather a joke about sex than humping. I still have vivid humping. memories of every inappropriate television moment that my mum was privy to. I remember in Neighbours <laughs> when Paul Robinson was standing in a candy shop with Nat Bassingthwaite's no, character no. saying, you're in a candy shop and you can have whatever candy you want. And mum went, all right, that's enough. To and Neighbours flows directly after The Simpsons, so it wasn't a good night for, it wasn't a good night for Vicky. That is terrifying. That actually does make me blush. Before we quickly jump into the first segment of the show, I know this has been a bit of a windy intro. Are you in need of some intrigue? Always. Yes. Now, nah, I have actually copied you because I thought if you brought me some intrigue last week, mm. I should bring you one of my favourite stories from celebrities that I don't think enough people know. I'll be really interested if we poll people on your say Friday tomorrow and everyone knew this. <laughs> but I figured why don't I bring one of my favourite celebrity love stories to you? Beautiful. Why you guys not look happy about this? I just need it to be quite an interesting love story. Okay. We're just intrigued. <laughs> it's got to do with Matt Damon. Okay. Oh. I think I care. He's you married to a normie, right? Full on normie. Is More, he? Yeah, so we went on and on when Zach Efron started dating a normie in Byron Bay, but Matt Damon is the OG, right? Now, he met his wife, Luciana Barroso, when she was a single mum working at a bar in Miami. This is back in 2003, right? She had a four-year-old daughter at home and she gave an interview to Vogue five or six years ago where she said, I was working as a bartender in South Beach and he was shooting a movie there and the crew ended up at the bar on a Saturday night. Matt's story is that he saw me across the room and there was a light on me. And I'm like, yeah, it was a nightclub. There were lights 
everywhere. So Matt Damon was being like inundated with fans and kind of couldn't enjoy the night. So he decided to hide behind the bar and make drinks with her all night. Oh my and God. they got together. Shut yeah. up. I care so much about this. And so this is how she kept explaining it to Vogue. She said, he said, oh, I saw you and I really wanted to talk to you. So I put him to work with me. I said, you know, if you're going to be back here, you can't just be standing there. He had trained as a bartender for a film years before. So he started making drinks and he made a ton of money and tips that night because of course everyone wanted to see him. She went on, some guys might've been different. They might think it's complicated her being a single mum but for him it wasn't when you meet somebody that you have a connection with that's just the person you have a connection with all that other stuff the movie star part wasn't really a factor it was just Matt to me he's Matt they've been together ever since oh he met her behind a bar oh what an anomaly someone make it a movie this is yeah, yeah this is six years after Goodwill hunting so he was not just like a b-list actor no he, he was massive as soon as that film came out yeah and he's given quotes to say that he thought he was kind of past his time like i think he was not even that old i think he was in his early 30s but he honestly thought he was like you zara yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice good, he honestly, why we have you here <laughs> he thought he wasn't going to get married like he thought it had passed him by it's quite dramatic from matt Damon. i know <laughs> <laughs> and it happened and and i thought it was a very nice story I've always loved this story in fact it's my mum's favorite story that's why it's mine so I thought I would bring it to you today and they live in Australia now they kind of go between Byron Bay sometimes and all the other places that famous people go which I guess is America yeah but yeah look I know Matt Damon has said some wonky things every so often (laughs) oh has he just around the me too movement but shades of grey and uh we're all layered everyone's layered (laughs) he said some wonky things but he also has a nice love love story which I think is important I am sufficiently or have been sufficiently intrigued. Thank you. You are very welcome. You know Michelle's intrigued when she goes, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, stop speaking. Everyone's <laughs> like, stop oh, speaking. I, I will if you demand it. <laughs> Guys, shall we get into the quick and dirty? As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle. Shut up, Andrews. It's fitting. If the crown fits. If the crown fits. What have you got for me? All right, our first story. Holly Willoughby says Philip Schofield lied to her about a affair with younger colleague. That is from The Guardian. Oh, my goodness me. On last week's episode, we told you guys all about the colossal falling out between the hosts of the UK's top breakfast program. It's a show called This Morning. A quick refresher for anyone who might have forgotten. Holly and Phil worked together for 14 years. Phil was actually the host of This Morning for six years before that. So his tenure was two decades as the host. He has an extremely high profile and is considered one of the faces of that television network. Think of him like the British Carl Stefanovic or Koshy. Koshy. Who retired this week, by the way, but... On his own terms and in quite a nice way. Now, at the end of March, for a bit of context, as we spoke about last week, Philip Schofield's brother, Timothy, stood trial for sexually abusing a teenage boy over the course of three years. He was found guilty after that trial. Now, Philip took time off the show for the duration of the trial and when he returned, Holly was suddenly on leave of her own. When they were finally back together, they looked super awkward. Reports started to surface that these two had fallen out and then it was announced that Philip was off the show for good, effective immediately. Yes, that's where we left it last week. We said this is very smoky, something must be going on. Well, 
Now we have quite the update because on Friday, Philip Schofield gave a statement to the Daily Mail and apologised for misleading journalists, his family, co-workers and the public. We'll read you parts of his statement. It included, The first thing I want to say is I am deeply sorry for having lied about a relationship that I had with someone working on this morning. I did have a consensual on-off relationship with a younger male colleague at the show. Yeah, he went on, Contrary to speculation, whilst I met the man when he was a teenager and was asked to help him get into television, it was only after he started to work on the show that it became more than just a friend. Friendship. That relationship was unwise, but not illegal. It is now over. A lot for us to unpack. I think the first thing on listeners' minds is probably what the hell? Like, what the hell was yeah. this relationship with the younger colleague? We only have reports to go off right now, so keep that in mind. According to reports, Philip and this much younger man met when Philip actually gave a talk at the boys' theatre school when he was 15 years old. Philip Schofield is believed to have been in his mid-40s at the time that they met. According to the Daily Mail, they got chatting after Philip gave this speech at the theatre school. The boy reportedly approached Philip after the speech and apparently expressed interest in a television career. Yeah, now when he was 18, he began working at the TV station at ITV as a production assistant. And according to reports, it was sometime around then that Philip and the teenager began a romantic relationship. I mean, as we know, according to Philip's statement, the relationship turned romantic once he'd started working at the show. Now, we don't know when it ended, but Philip was a married man when this relationship took place. Some of our listeners might remember that in February 2020, he actually came out as gay on national television. And soon after, he separated from his wife of almost three decades, Stephanie, Mm. and they're still technically wearing their wedding rings as, I think, a form of commitment to each other it's but like a different a friendship thing yeah a different form of commitment i read yeah the second question listeners might be wondering is what has holly said about all of this well she released a very short and sharp statement on instagram that read as follows it's taken time to process yesterday's news when reports of this relationship first surfaced i asked phil directly if this was true and was told it was not it's been very hurtful to now find out that this was a lie holly Yeah, so she's not holding back and she hasn't been holding back this entire time. She wants people to know that this is not a man she endorses anymore and not Mm. a man she considers a friend. For what it's worth as well, Schofield's talent management, YMU, have terminated their contract with him with immediate effect he's also been dropped from other things like ambassador to the royals Mm. charity it feels very much like this could signal the end of his career for sure itv also issued an interesting statement expressing anger that phil and the boy had lied to them for so long which was interesting i think now people are left with the question of who knew what at itv and what did that look like in senior management a lot of executives at that television network are facing some pretty tough questions and rightly so this week. I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. What did the team at ITV know? Will this boy, who is now a young man in his mid-20s, will he ever come out and do an interview? I think maybe we haven't heard the last of this story. Yeah, 100%. But what we are reading as well is that the young man does want to stay anonymous and keep this out of the press. And so what I am liking from the press is that people are respecting that. And I know that that's a really low bar, Mm -hmm. but I do not trust a lot of publications across the world, particularly in the UK, 
to not, you know, ignore that advice, but everybody is. And I think that's the most important part of this story. Mm, For sure. Our second story, Margot Robbie is a living doll on the cover of Vogue ahead of Barbie movie. That is from page six. Margot Robbie, of course, starred on the cover of Vogue's summer issue. And it is the shoot that everyone's talking about. Fun fact, our photos on our Instagram page of this Vogue spread are some of our most liked photos on that account ever. I know. I loved these shoots. I thought this was one of the best shoots that US Vogue has done in a long time. I mean, for context, for those who haven't seen the cover, Margot's in this pink satin Versace gown covered in flowers. The rest of the spread is amazing. She's sort of posing in a series of Barbie-esque outfits ranging from like a pink tweed President Barbie kind of character. She was also an astronaut. I My favourite photo was the astronaut Was one. it? I Mine was, it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to muck up my description <laughs> of this. Was it the business Barbie? Office the Barbie, office Barbie? I was going to call it teacher hot. Barbie as well. <laughs> office Barbie was very hot. And oh, you're looking at me. I don't remember any of them. <laughs> but let's just say she looked beautiful in all of them. <laughs> she did look really cool. And as I said, I felt like this was really surprising coming out of US Vogue because I felt like US Vogue haven't had a moment in a long time. Mm. Like they haven't really been hot in a while well British Vogue it's all been about British Vogue British Vogue have definitely demanded the moments and the covers and for doing things slightly differently Mm. and incredibly creatively and I do feel like I'm happy for US Vogue (laughs) (laughs) they've done something that I think is incredibly cool and different I do feel like we should note as well, though, that there was a lot of commentary around how photoshopped the cover was. I mean, you mentioned that we posted these photos on Instagram, Mish. A couple of our top comments were about the fact that the cover was unnecessarily photoshopped. And I want to have a quick chat to you both about that for a Mm. second because I found that sentiment so interesting. I have all the time in the world of conversations about photoshopping and thwarting what reality is in Mm. beauty and in magazines. But when it comes to playing the character of Barbie, she's a doll. She is the most photoshopped thing in the whole world. It makes sense to me that if the story that Vogue is telling on the cover is one of Barbie, she should be photoshopped within an inch of her life, right? Well, yeah, she's a plastic doll. Yeah. Uh, It's a layered one. I will be completely truthfully honest with the listeners you don't care I don't care I think I'm so fatigued of conversations about photoshop and filtering and all that stuff I truly feel like and maybe this is a defeatist attitude the horse bolted years ago on this and I feel like when I open my TikTok app and people are using a million different filters on their face the idea of a Barbie photo shoot being edited and photoshopped in vogue I truly feel nothing I feel nothing I know a lot of women do feel something and a lot of listeners in fact not even just women feel something about this, I would be lying if I said I was one of them though. I think for me, I know I said before, my wording was, I think she should have been photoshopped. And the reason I say that is because it felt like this was Margot as Barbie on the cover, not Margot as Margot. Mm. I would understand the conversation a little bit more if I felt like it was Margot just posing as Margot Robbie, not as Barbie, the character. I kind of agree with you in that. I do think slowly magazines have gotten a little bit better Mm. but are the conversations about magazines that relevant anymore when as you say the horse is bolted with tiktok like i can't watch anyone on tiktok without seeing them using some sort of beauty filter on their face which is literally no shame to anyone who uses beauty filters Mm. it's just the point that that kind of airbrushing is so prevalent now wherever we go how much impact does a cover like this have like how 
damaging is it if we were to kind of quantify it? Yeah. Annabelle, do you care? I don't care, but I think it's because we're so used to it, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Like we're so used to separating in our brains. That yes. Like, oh, that's not right, but whatever. Now we can't control this. Yeah, like what else do we do? Yeah. I also want to talk to you both about how impressed I am about how much coverage Barbie is getting. Oh, my God. I know when this movie is coming out and I don't know when any movie is coming out. <laughs> it's July 21. July 21. Oh, yeah. I've already planned. So that's the day I'm flying back from Europe. I've already planned and told Mitch, like worded him up. We're getting back from the airport. I'm putting my luggage in our house and I am heading to the cinema. Well, it's so funny because it's like every trailer is met with so much press. The lead up has felt mammoth. I know you're keen, Michelle. Annabelle, are you keen? Absolutely. It looks so camp and I love it. I'm like, I mean, I'm not. You don't care that much. I care in a sense of it being some sort of cool cultural Mm. moment. I don't think I'll watch the movie yeah do you shut think, up you think you'll watch the movie no really i mean you haven't watched the lion king so i don't know <laughs> speaking of that you said in um, we said in our most recent scandal episode that i hadn't watched et and you were like that's uh, absurd how have you not watched et and my mum texted me and she goes hey honey by the way you've definitely watched et <laughs> and i go okay i don't think i have but sure and then she followed it up the next day with hey honey so i've actually been fact checking this around with your siblings none of you have watched the lion king or the et i'm so sorry about this. and she started apologizing trish didn't give you the cultural education you deserved she, as a child she did give me seventh heaven <laughs> which Yay! i think is important anyway back to barbie i think the storyline I'm not sure. Don't you have FOMO? Because Annabelle and I will be going to the <laughs> cinema, maybe together, Annabelle, and watching it. And then you'll get back and not know what the hell anyone's talking about. And you won't get the memes and you won't get but the TikTok I, videos. I think you underestimate how little you care. Well, sort of a bit of that, but also you can still get the gist of things. No, I think that there's a chance this movie may still surprise audiences in the cinema. I know they've given like so many versions of the trailer and, and exposed yes. a little more, but I reckon there might be a chance something if, more is exposed. If we pay for you to go will you come with us well i (laughs) maybe but i'll still be in europe (laughs) but the thing is i've never seen a movie like mamma mia for example but i still get around i will get around the songs and the dancing and like I, I feel like I can enjoy it from afar, sort of like when I'm locked in a castle, like waving from <laughs> the inside, but I can see you all having fun and enjoying it. And that makes me happy. For the woman who last week said she was listening to a four and a half hour podcast episode, <laughs> the fact you don't have like 90 to 100 minutes for Barbie is a crime. Okay, I will, I will try no, you won't. <laughs> to watch this one. It reminds me of that um, Khloe Kardashian scene in the Kardashians where she's going, liar! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have so much more to cover. Today, but first we need to hear a word from today's sponsor. Our third story. Kim Kardashian dishes on Pete Davidson's split. Who's going to want to date me? That is from the LA Times. Now, Kim Kardashian has opened up about her split from Pete Davidson on the latest season of The Kardashians. And I found it pretty sad, Mm. if I'm honest. Now, while speaking at her confessional, a producer reminded Kim that she was still in a relationship at the end of season two. This is obviously season three that's just started. And that aired in November 2022. To that, she said, I was damn." Okay, I'm single. I'm single and I'm not ready to mingle and that's okay. 
later in the episode when Scott Disick was kind of questioning her about how she was doing since the split, she replied, breakups are just like, not my thing. To which Scott Disick said, whose thing are they? <laughs> like Scott actually shone in episode one. Yeah, I was like, that's fair because breakups are like, not my thing either. <laughs> now she went on and she said, I'm proud of myself. We just had talks and talks. Like we'd been talking about breaking up. So it was just like both of us communicating really well about it. It's obviously sad. The thing that I also found hard to stomach was that she did admit that the Kanye stuff, you know, Kanye was sort of publicly calling out Pete Davidson or Skeet Davidson, as he called him, on social. Also making a music video about killing Pete Davidson. correct. It was a really rough time. And Kim said that had an impact on their relationship. She said, there was like a lot of guilt. He went through a lot because of my relationship with Kanye. Mm, She went on, I go back and forth in my feelings sometimes, like, ugh, who's ever going to want to date me? I have four kids. I'm in my 40s. Like, oh my God, who's going to want to deal with the drama? But my person will be like, fuck all that. Like, it's going to be hard, but we're together and we're going to do this. So I'm just waiting for that person. It would be hard. I know she's Kim Kardashian. She's held up as one of the most beautiful people in the world. But to have an ex like Kanye West, who does seem to come for the men that she dates, is an exhausting proposition. Yeah. And then you add the fame to it Mm. all. And it's like, wow, it will take a really strong person to do it. But she will. I mean, she's quite a catch in my mind she needs a norty <laughs> she needs to head to a miami bar and see a man no. bathed in light i don't think she needs a normie i don't think a normie could handle this i don't think her celebrity coupled with someone else's celebrity it just never seems to work like she needs to go for the opposite of what she's been doing she's only ever dated public figures no i don't think a normie i don't think anyone could handle this level of fame why I do think, i feel so strongly about this yeah i was like i think a lot of us would be flawed about having to make that part of our life mm. And I don't think they'd be able to handle it. Anyway, good luck to her. Yeah. uh, I'm rooting for her. Same. Our fourth story for Kylie Jenner. Quiet luxury isn't over just yet. That is from Vogue. A really quick one, guys. We just want to say we feel like a total Kardashian-Jenner rebrand is on the horizon. Kylie Jenner has been in Paris this week and she has been papped just about everywhere she goes. She's wearing outfits that are very reminiscent of what we saw Sophia Richie wear in April this year. Yeah, I mean, people are certainly making that connection, the Sophia Richie rebrand, and they're wondering whether Kylie Jenner might be trying to do one of her own. Vogue wrote this week, a few years ago, Kylie Jenner and minimalism would rarely have been uttered in the same sentence, but here we are now with eyes on a minimalist Jenner in Paris. A monochrome palette, court shoes and old school silhouettes. It's a far cry from the heavily embellished body conscious wardrobe the reality television star and beauty mogul was once known for. She's leaning a lot into TikTok when it comes to her Mm. fashion content, which we also know Sophia has done and has really worked for her. I think it's time for a very slight Kylie Jenner rebrand and I can see it working. Mm. I mean, dare I say, is Timothy Chalamet part of the rebrand? This is giving Timmy Chalamet. It is. And the whole Paris thing. Yeah. Just like being in Paris. (laughs) She's only wearing black and white. Like she's completely moved away from what we saw her in over the last couple of years. Gone are those like, remember those skin tight bodysuits the Kardashians yeah. would wear, which were essentially like lycra and super colorful and patterned and futuristic. That era, I think, is gone. They're heavily leaning back into this old money vibe. Do you think that 
if they've sat down. And I, I would be surprised if they haven't sat down and wondered what the next iteration of the Kardashians are mm. if they decide that Kylie goes first because Kylie has often gone first. Kylie with her business and her lip kits and she was kind of the first to, I would argue, demand the respect from people as a businesswoman. Mm. I actually wonder if they're going, all right, Kylie goes first again and we follow suit. Interesting. Maybe. I mean, they can't go first with Kendall because I would argue Kendall's always had a minimalistic kind of fashion aesthetic. Kylie has had that more futuristic look. Yeah, I think maybe Kylie and Kim in tandem. Yeah. I think Kim will probably have a similar vibe to her even next week. Let's see. Yeah. That's the prediction. Our fifth story. Taylor Swift explained how the Karma remix happened after fans called it a PR move following Maddie Healy's disparaging comments about Ice Spice. That is from BuzzFeed. <laughs> yes, guys, it is another Taylor Swift story. We know some of you, some are so tired of Taylor Swift's story. But what are we meant to do? There are so many headlines. <laughs> I honestly don't what know do what to do. What do you want from us? Like, we can't ignore it, but I appreciate some of you are tired. So we're going to give you a time code if you really don't want to listen to this. Yes. Skip forward about 10 minutes and we'll be through the worst of it. Yeah. If you want to skip it, you can. Just don't. Stay with us. <laughs> so I think we've officially been left with those who chose to stay. Welcome. Now, as you have probably seen, late last week, Taylor Swift announced that she was releasing a remixed version of her single Karma with the musician of the moment, Ice Spice. This was curious timing to say the least. We've already said on the show many a time that Taylor's new boyfriend, the 1975's Maddie Healy, was on a podcast in February where he laughed along with disparaging jokes made at Ice Spice's expense. This was a semi-niche controversy until he was connected to the biggest pop star in the world, Taylor Swift. So to give you a rundown of the timeline, he made these comments on a podcast in Feb. He didn't apologize for that podcast until May 10. This only exploded onto the mainstream when he started dating Taylor. Yeah, well, to the point where he felt like he should apologize and the podcast should come down. Now, Taylor's team have tried to be very direct with how this all came about. In an interview with Spotify, Taylor said this. Collaborating with Ice Spice on Karma was one of the most natural things. She reached out through her team, just kind of saying, hey, you know, Ice has been a big fan of Taylor's since she was a little kid. Would love to collaborate if that was ever something that came about. Ice Spice herself has also tweeted lots about the collab. She appeared alongside Taylor in concert over the weekend. She also wrote on Twitter, sweetest person ever. Thank you so much. I love you. What do we think? I think when I first saw this last week on Taylor Swift's Twitter account, I thought, wow, the most obvious PR and publicity in the world. Her boyfriend is copying it for comments he made about Ice Spice. So one plus one equals two. She's going to get Ice Spice into the fold, release this remix and show the world that she and Ice Spice are besties and there's nothing to see here and shove everything else under the carpet. Yes. I don't believe that anymore. Shocking. <laughs> Can I actually... She's pivoted and doesn't believe a PR story. <laughs> can I actually lay it out Of course for you? you can. I know this will sound insane because the me of like six days ago would not believe that this is my stance. But when I started to look into the timeline... I just actually don't think it's possible for this to be anything but a coincidence. If it is reactive, if this was a publicity stunt, the timeline would have to be beyond tight. A reminder of what the timeline has looked like. News of Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn splitting broke on April 10. She was first connected to Maddie Healy three weeks later on May 3rd. The months-old Ice Spice podcast comments gained heaps of traction that week. And as I said, were then apologised for by Maddie Healy 
on May 10, a week later. So could the recording and editing of the Karma remix, along with the accompanying music video, which by the way, is incredibly special effects-y. Like this is not a- <laughs> Is that the technical term? <laughs> this is, yes. This is not some like uh, quickie yeah. music video. This would be a lot of planning and strategizing and editing. Could that happen in the space of a few weeks? I truly don't think so, at least not while Taylor is touring and moving cities literally every week at the moment. And then on top of that, keep in mind, has to sync up her touring calendar with Ice Spice's calendar, someone who would be extremely busy in her own right. Some fans of Taylor might be listening to me tell this and think, well, we did see Taylor shooting a music video the day after her breakup with Joe was announced on April 11. Those shots were of her in a completely different outfit in a completely different setting and look like they are being used for her Speak Now re-release. She's wearing the exact same outfit she wore on a Speak Now tour. So I genuinely think those aren't the same things. If anything, this video was shot in March, maybe earlier. According to Ice Spice's producer, a guy named Riot USA, this collab has been in the works for months. That was the quote that he used in his Instagram story. And I think that checks out because I don't know why. I think if we're going to say this is all meticulous publicity and meticulous PR and a stunt, we have to assume that Ice Spice and her producer, Riot USA, are in the pocket of Taylor and want to help her perform Reputation Rehab. And why the hell would they do that for a woman they hadn't even met before this collab got off the ground? I think there are a couple of things here to me. I think even if it is Reputation Rehab for Taylor, if I was Ice Spice, I'd be like, yeah, you benefit from this, but so do I. Like, I think we're stripping her of agency when we're assuming that she ha we can only do this if she's in the pocket of Taylor. Like, she may well have looked at this and thought, I could benefit a bunch from being on a song with the world's biggest musician right now. Why don't I just use this to my own advantage and kind of only think about what benefits me? I do definitely still think this is a PR thing. I appreciate your point that it would have had to have been on your timeline put together in a matter of three weeks. I don't think that Taylor only decided to do this after the controversy blew up. I had seen this podcast interview that Maddie Healy had done and the criticism around it on TikTok months ago. I know he didn't apologize for it and I know it wasn't kind of mainstream until May, but it was still around. Her team would absolutely have been smart enough when they started dating, which was probably before she had announced her breakup with Joe that there would be controversies that were gonna come out. Let's get on them early. They would have been working on this before we even knew that her and Joe were broken up. That's why I, and how I think it happened. I just don't think Maddie Healy and Taylor were together. Maybe they were together in April. But I think I don't you can get it off the ground in six to eight weeks easily. Mm, I'm not convinced. We know that Taylor and Joe were photographed last together in Feb. Early so I, Feb, Feb so three. I just feel like, <laughs> I really don't feel like she was with Maddie Healy before April. So I yeah. think a lot of this probably centers on that. Maybe we can poll the people for your Say Friday. What do you guys think? Annabelle, what do you think? I think it's PR. I reckon they could absolutely pull anything together in yeah. a short amount of time. Taylor can do anything. Have She's you a seen mastermind. the music video? Yeah, but I don't know. In terms of the song, I think that could have been pulled together very quickly. I agree with that. The I song, think the song, yeah. the song could take a day. Yeah. It could take maybe three hours to put together. Sure. Because I do not think this music video could have. I also would love to hear from special effects people, like people who know this kind of stuff, because they don't actually even have to technically be in the same room for it you can mm. film that at different points which can also pull it together much faster I just think there's no way I appreciate your arguments and mm. I think they are well thought out but I also have to think 
there's just no way this can't be PR in my mind. And I know it's really coincidental if it isn't PR. I acknowledge that. But I think we also need to keep in mind Ice Spice was named earlier this year as the musician of the moment. So is it that coincidental that Taylor Swift would want to work with the biggest female rapper in the world? No. I also love a coincidence though. You know that. My favorite podcast <laughs> in the world. And miracles. Yes. <laughs> and my favorite, as well. <laughs> yeah, my favorite things ever. Very quickly before we move on, this also came in the same seven days as Maddie Healy's profile with The New Yorker. Journalist Gia Tolentino sat down with him and one of her questions to Maddie Healy was about this now infamous podcast episode. Can I read you the passage where he kind of responds to it? She wrote, Had he baited his fans on purpose? A little bit, Healy said, but it doesn't really matter. Nobody is sitting there at night slumped at their computer and their boyfriend comes over and goes, what's wrong, darling? And they go, it's just this thing with Maddie Healy. That doesn't happen. Maybe it does, Gia responded to him. If it does, Maddie said, you're either deluded or you are, sorry, a liar. You're either lying that you are hurt or you're a bit mental for being hurt. It's just people going, oh, there's a bad thing over there. Let me get as close to it as possible so you can see how good I am. And I kind of want them to do that because they're demonstrating something so base level. He's not mincing his words. (laughs) You're a bit mental. Wow. Yeah, I... He's not trying to be any softer with his words or his PR strategy now that he's connected to Taylor Swift. Like, whatever you think about that quote, and there is, we could honestly sit here for hours to talk about it. At, at least he's staying authentic to who he is. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, how fascinating that. I would say the face of people pleasing in Taylor Swift yes. is dating the face of this anti-people pleasing. Absolutely. Also on coincidences, and I think this is a slight coincidence, Gia's been writing this profile with Maddie Healy since January. And wow. he, and, and he was not a, not a big star in January, but wow, what a roller coaster for her it, to be writing this as he started dating Taylor Swift. A lot of coincidences going on, guys. Yeah, well, I will say, though, if you had asked me in January who's Maddie Healy, I would have said he's a musician, but I don't think I would have drawn the connection of, oh, I, lo- I listened to the 1975. He's the front man of that band. I knew him, but not even well enough to draw the parallel for the 1975. Yeah, 100%. Our final story. The list of Australia's most influential people on social media has been revealed. That is from news.com.au. All right. So listeners of the show might remember that last year we spoke about the ranking of the top 100 influencers courtesy of The Oz, which is actually now defunct. It was part of the Australian. It was sort of their youth website. Now The Oz is dead, but the ranking is apparently not. (laughs) Media Week has launched something themselves called Social Media Influence 100. (laughs) I love that the Oz died and Media Week went, like that is now our idea. (laughs) Because, well, everyone spoke about it when the Oz did it. Yeah, 100%. Now, Social Media Influence 100 has apparently been put together in conjunction with a data analytics company that sought to uncover the Australians with the most influence. Now, to qualify to be on this list, all influencers had to have over 400,000 followers cumulatively across their social profiles, and at least 30% of those followers had to be located in Australia. And Hugh Jackman won. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Hugh Jackman is 
Amazing. We love you. <laughs> like one of the best things Australia has ever produced. Hugh Jackman. A social media influence 100 has thrown me. Yeah. I thought it'd be influential in every other way, but social media. I think it's the word social media. You're 100% right. If this was influence 100 and Hugh Jackman was the most influential Australian, Sure, but like, where's Nicole Kidman then? Why is she not in the top three? Or, or Keith four? Urban, TikTok activity. Oh, and you, I tell you what, Keith Urban should have made this now. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a few people who ranked highly because <laughs> Robert Irwin ranked third. How many followers does Robert Irwin have? I love Robbie Irwin. Like, Again, and this is the thing, I love these people, but they're not on my social media radar, but maybe my radar might be the problem. Well, I think, what are we talking about when it comes to social media influence? Is Robert Irwin influencing anyone much on social media? It's so interesting because as someone who feels like they've grown up with influencer culture, as you guys have as well, my definition of social media influence is being directly influenced to do something via yes. social media. That is being communicated to me on social media and social media only. Yeah. And when I think about the people online who have the most influence to make me buy things and things like that, Hugh Jackman, Robert Irwin... <laughs> don't quite come to mind. No. One that I thought was quite good was Celeste Barber, ranked in fourth. I think she For deserves sure. that. I completely agree. One I one I didn't quite understand. And again, I love this woman. This woman gave me the soundtrack of my childhood. But for Delta Goodrum to rank seventh, <laughs> yeah. why is Delta Goodrum seventh? Like, I am so deeply confused by this, even if you just go by the numbers. Say we stripped everything else away. Delta Goodrum gets an average of 96 thousand likes per Instagram post. She ranked higher than Tammy Hembrow, who gets 70,000 likes per Instagram post and beat out the inspired unemployed by more than 30 ranking points. The inspired unemployed get more than 180,000 likes per Instagram post. Yeah, and I can understand people saying, well, let's not just speak to followers because followers aren't everything, but I would say engagement is, is everything. If you have 180, that is so many average likes, <laughs> by the way. That is ridiculous. They ranked 39th. I'm sorry, if I was doing this list, the inspired unemployed have to be top five. Yeah. They built a beer brand worth tens of millions of dollars off the back of their influence. It's, and social media influence. It's that, right? It's yeah. not influence, it's social media influence. And that's why I'm constantly getting confused by these lists because it's like, let's separate the list. Let's talk about the people with general influence, like Hugh in Jackman. the media <laughs> yeah. sphere. And let's talk about people with specific social media influence because I think what it does is it does disrespect the craft of social media influence of people like the Inspired Unemployed and of people like Temi Hembra. Yeah, for some of these people to rank top 10 when they're not social creators. Yeah, it's like when you haven't specifically built a community off social media. You've built a community for sure, but you've just built a different kind of community, in my opinion, elsewhere. Yeah. For me, I think it's quite a craft of what these people have done. And I do think it's an interesting perspective for the media to have to kind of create these lists and have a whole array of people on there who I don't know are all doing the same thing. I think the main qualifier should be on social media, have you built a brand worth tens of millions of dollars? If the answer is yes, Zoe Foster Blake, who didn't even make the top 30, by yeah. the way, and the Inspired Unemployed should be almost one and two. Yeah, I agree with you. It is very interesting. And I cannot wait to hear what you guys <laughs> think. You had a lot of thoughts on this last year <laughs> when we spoke about this, so I can't wait for them again. But that is all we've got time for. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. As always, come follow us on social. We are at Shameless Podcast on Instagram, at Shameless underscore podcast on TikTok. The number one way you can support our show, though, is by clicking follow wherever 
wherever you are listening on the app right now. That will help us in the charts and help us find new listeners. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. No, no, no. no. Thanks so much, guys. We'll be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land